0: Hello, and welcome to Manifestor Academy for Entrepreneurs with Michelle Anderson. If you are curious about how to manifest the life and business of your dreams, you're in the right spot. I will be sharing interviews, tips, tricks, stories, and anything I can think of by lifting up the hood on my own experience and my own businesses, including my coaching practice, about how you can manifest your dream life and business I hope you enjoy it. If you want to learn more, you can always go to michelleanderson.com. That's Michelle with two L's and Anderson with an S-E-N at the end. How are you today? Great. How are you?
1: I'm fantastic. Thank you.
0: Well, I was just reading over your awesome bio here, and I'm really excited that you've made some time to talk to my listeners because I think they really will love hearing about what you're up to. Thank you. If it's okay with you, I'm just going to introduce you based on your exact words here because I think I love this both and approach that you've mentioned. Great. So Liz Kitchell is a friend of mine and someone that I've admired in the coaching space. She is a money coach. And she says here, and I love this, that many money coaches help people with practical steps to control their money. And many money coaches teach how money is energy and how to manifest it. But few coaches combine these approaches and have expertise in both, which I love. So after 25 years in the financial industry and decades of spiritual learning, Liz's passion is to help educate people how to control their money in a way that leaves them connected, rejuvenated, and able to make financial decisions with ease. Whew, I love that. I think people need it.
1: We do. And it's a great time of year to do it since – we're doing this in January.
0: Absolutely. Tell me, what are the people that you're working with right now coming up with in terms of setting up their year? Like, what are their biggest questions right now?
1: So the biggest questions right now are really, one, setting the time aside to look at their finances. We spend more time looking under the hood of our car than we do at finances. And if you're like me, I don't look under the hood of my car very often, right? (laughs) (laughs) So it's a matter of dedicating some time and it's a fresh new start and we're coming off of the highs of the holidays, which is a good time to kind of take your pulse and what emotions are coming up around your money.
0: You said the magic word, emotions, and again, yeah. you say it so well here in what you sent me. You say, once the emotions and stories have been identified, steps can be taken to demystify the myths and eliminate the fears to forge steps to financial freedom. Yep. Yeah. That's really powerful. That's really deep. <laughs> <laughs> It
1: can be scary, but it doesn't have to be.
0: Tell me what people are the most afraid of. It can be really scary to start looking at your money. Um, What do you think people come up with in terms of their fears and excuses why they're not looking?
1: Well, I think there's a couple different things that come up. Some people believe they'll find themselves ignorant when it comes to money. When they're really not, they just haven't necessarily figured out how to look at this in a practical matter. Or some people are afraid to look at the emotions behind the money because um, they are afraid they're going to have to give up some of their joys and happiness in life.
0: Ooh, that's interesting. Do you think that's because they're just not sure how they're spending and they don't want to see how they're spending?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're very correct, Michelle. So a lot of people, you know, unconsciously spend. And not to say that, like, you know, if you go in a lifestyle change and you want to add more greens or vegetables to your diet, it doesn't mean you have to give up the chocolate. Your goal is to add more greens.
0: And in terms of when you say that people start to look at their money, explain how that might look like when people start to do that.
1: When they look at their emotions behind their spending. So I'm going to give you an example of like unconscious spending and some of the ways that people can go about investigating what that looks like. So unconscious spending is spending for the sake of spending because it's habitual. And sometimes we spend looking to have the newest gadget because we believe that gadget will make our life easier, better, or happier. When we're not really asking the deeper questions, and you know this as a coach, what is it that would truly help me feel happier, more connected, more rejuvenated? And sometimes it's just a matter of figuring that out and then aligning your money purposely with those things. So here's an example. And there was a client that would spend all of her days, you know, going to Starbucks with coworkers during break to get a coffee. And she was just trying to, you know, save some extra shackles and trying to put some money aside. And she thought that would be a quick, easy thing for her to get rid of and save three or four dollars every day, you know, for five days a week, 30 days. I mean, that adds up over time, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, the interesting thing is, as she started writing down all of her expenses, she stopped spending the money on the Starbucks, but she was spending the money in other ways, Almost just as much. So one of the things, and this is like why she reached out to me, was to kind of go a little bit deeper in this. But one of the things that came up is that time of walking with her coworkers to Starbucks gave her the feeling of connection to her her community, to her tribe at work. So it wasn't really about the Starbucks. It was about having a need met of connection and value time with coworkers. So once she understood that, she could brainstorm a way of going around it. If she really wanted to save that $150 a month, let's figure out a way to meet the true need that is craving to be met.
0: Wow. Yeah, it was like a. $150 Hundred fifty dollar a month club that she was in that she loved. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> don't say one hundred fifty dollars is too much or too little. It really depends on you and what brings you joy. But let's figure out what the true need is, and that way you can have the need met.
0: Mm. That's that goes with what you wrote here, where you say money is something that is both practical and emotional. And I think that story really describes the connection between the two.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. So another great question to do this time of year exercise is to kind of say, okay, let me think of my financial situation. And I'm just going to jot down every emotion that comes to mind. And as you jot down every emotion that comes to mind, you can look at it and say, is this an emotion that stems from abundance happiness, joy, or rejuvenation? Or is this an emotion that comes from scarcity, lack, and not enough? And just kind of go through each emotion of where you feel you are currently and then look at the trend. And if you're really seeing a big trend that there's not enough money in your life and that there's a lot of lack, then it's time to sit there and figure out what are my values, what is it I want more of in my life? And then you can also then, you know, brainstorm ways to get that. But also potentially start a gratitude journal so you can see what your money is able to provide for you. And sometimes it's not about money. It's about creating time and energy to have those things in your life. And money just seems like the excuse not to have it.
0: (laughs) I like the way you put that all together and then you end it with sort of the excuse and you kind of <laughs> tied together how people's values are actually tied up in what their money is doing, which is kind of a big deal. It is. Well, you say here too, and I think this is kind of stemming off of that in some ways, when you're not getting your needs met, you say, People spend more time worrying about their money situation than intentionally doing something about it. Right. And that's fascinating to me as a coach. I understand different ways. And as a person that has a relationship with money, I understand the other ways too, why you might want to avoid that. But tell me why people are going to sit in that worry versus doing something about their money.
1: Well, it's kind of like... You know, once you remove the excuses, the only excuse is really you. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be scary and vulnerable. But it's not, you know, anyone, and you know this, anyone that's ever done work on themselves, part of it is radical acceptance for where you are and not judging. Because once you realize that you are it, it could get really easy to get stuck in a judging spiral.
0: I love that you acknowledge that. Yeah.
1: yeah, Radically accepting it and then saying, you know, what is it I really want to create here and how do I do that? We don't really brainstorm, truly know how to brainstorm, you know, in our society sitting in, at a crossroads of opportunities, and if you really know what it is you want, there are many ways to get there, and then just um, seeing kind of what stems out of it. But oftentimes, when we're brainstorming, we're like, oh, that's not possible, or what would my steps be? Brainstorming is a part of the brain that's really a creative process. We don't want to get in the way of that by bringing in analytical processes of would that work? Would that do it? What do, who do, who needs to be on my team? Any of that. So just brainstorming and then asking yourself of all these different options, which one seems the most compelling, then you can go in a little bit deeper. But the other thing I think that we have as a society is we don't necessarily know how to feel an emotion. So unconscious spending typically stems from a fact that We're not feeling emotion sometimes and we're making purchases to try and feel something.
0: I love that you brought that up and I'm actually watching this a lot in Mm -hmm. even my friend circles, not just my client conversations. And of course, as a human, I identify with this learning how to handle emotions What do you tell your clients when they get to this point and they're lifting up the hood and they're feeling feelings and they're related to money?
1: Well, let me give you another example of a client. I had somebody I was working with who has done a lot of self-work, understands exactly where her money is going, but there was a pattern that she couldn't necessarily stop. So she would um, fix these beautiful, healthy, colorful meals, get done preparing it, get in her car, drive to fast food, and eat the fast food in her car, and then put that beautiful, healthy meal back in the refrigerator for a later time and date. So it was really interesting. We layered into what emotions she got out of eating that fast food, but it was more of like, let's let's figure out how old you were when this emotion was first there. And as a child, she would go every Friday night with her family and she was an only child. So her father and a mother and her would go to a restaurant, a fast food restaurant. And it was one of those where the people came out and served you outside on the roller skates. And she felt like a really big girl eating that burger and she, french fries and that coke and her parents car it was the only time she was allowed to eat in the car but more importantly that's also when she got undivided attention from her parents
0: wow that makes me want to cry that's so right that is so embedded and deep and,
1: uh, and that muscle
0: fascinating yeah.
1: So, once she had that realization that that was the need she was getting was connection and rejuvenation and validation from loved ones, she realized that's the need that she needed to figure out how to fulfill. It's not going getting the fast food
0: what Do you know what she did with that information?
1: She created opportunities to not eat alone as much and, um, yeah, and other avenues as well. So,
0: yeah. Wow. So looking at that habit and how she was spending on food and she could almost get her needs met by looking at how they weren't getting met.
1: Exactly.
0: And take power over that pattern.
1: And there's a lot. Reasons people end up in debt sometimes, you know, from unconscious spending. And then there's this layer of guilt and shame and separation from society and isolation because there's nobody to talk to. And working in the financial industry, as long as I did, some people could get out of debt from a practical approach and doing the rice and the beans, you know, once or twice a week, just not to save, to save money. Other people, it didn't work. No matter how badly they wanted it, they were avoiding the emotion that got them into debt in the first place. So no debt stability, stabilization and elimination strategy would work for them because they would get the what's the use anyway. This is no fun.
0: Is that what you are calling here when you say it's time to discover the stories you tell yourself that keep you from success?
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) So it sounds like you're saying it was these stories and the emotions that really prevent people from getting any results.
1: Yep. So there's emotions and stories and the four different areas you have to balance around money. And those four areas are income, spending, assets, and debt. So income, you know, some people have stories on how much money they can make. You're very familiar with this as a coach, right? Yeah. So what are those stories? Let's help you work through it. And then how are you spending your income? So then that takes us over to the conscious spending. What are our needs? How are we meeting them? And it's not just the bare basic needs of shelter and food. If those are being met, we also have other needs of connection and validation and fun and joy. And, you know, if you look at any emotions out there, like nonviolent communication, there are like 200 needs. Only five of them are basic needs of shelter, food, water, physical movement. The rest all come from a sense of community, connection, validation.
0: Like that woman who was going to Starbucks. Right. Are you there? Yeah, sorry, I was cheek darling something on my phone tell me <laughs> yeah what are one of the I'm sure you hear so many stories and some of them are probably you probably hear similar things as you listen to so many people what's one of the most common ways that you hear people feeling really stuck around money
1: well, the two areas you got to get right before you can ever fix getting out of debt and saving your way out of debt and then, you know, getting to positive assets and really honing in and building wealth, right? And building community also in that process. But when we take a look at income and spending, those two have to be right before you can really transition to the other areas. And some of the things that really... I find interesting is the stories people tell themselves on how much money they can earn, how much money they deserve
0: to earn. Let's pick apart that word deserve. I, yeah. I, I hear this a lot from people and I identify with that. The stories, it comes from a story is kind of what you're saying. Am I, am I hearing you right? Correct. So where do people get these stories? Is it from when they're little or what do you hear when you're listening to people and and they're coming up with these limiting numbers in their income and they, and it comes from a story.
1: It can come from family, culture, religion, a minister, a television show, a story they read in a book. It can come from multiple different places, but typically what happens is these stories get layered from our perspective and from our lenses. So one of the things I have heard people say is, I don't want to earn so much money that my friends and family think I'm a sellout.
0: Oh my gosh. Right. (laughs) (laughs)
1: maybe you take the money and then you do something good with it, you know? Or And there's people, I've had several clients that have had that imprint and we had to learn to recognize where it came from. And there's also people that like starving artists. That's just a terminology that's been around in our culture for a very long time. It doesn't mean it's true, but it's a story.
0: Right. So when people look at these stories with you and are they able to do something with the stories and turn them around, like what have you seen when they see these light bulb moments?
1: Well, I think part of it. um, And one of my talents is really to kind of discovering where the story stems from. And then there's always an age and an emotion around that. Um, One of my clients had um, a father who they were very well-to-do when they were growing up, but their father worked many hours and they never got attention from their father. So they felt like they could either have money or their father's attention and admiration and love, any of it, right? So they made a vow never never to have that in their life or do that to their children. So it's a matter of figuring out where these stories come from and then saying, is this something that's still true? And sometimes our muscle memory holds it to be true and we just have to move past that. And it could be a series of different things that you do. You learn the triggers, you learn when the emotion comes up, you ask the emotion to be validated by stating what it needs to say. And sometimes that's enough and it's just like, okay, now I've recognized the pattern. I know when it's coming up. But just plowing through it and not giving any attention often creates scenarios where we sabotage over and over and over again until we learn to recognize the emotion that wants to be validated from that very first event in our childhood.
0: That is so important. I can. It. I think it's fascinating how you can carry a story along that's not true for so long.
1: You can't (laughs) always see yours, but you could see mine,
0: right? (laughs) Yeah, and then and then then build your life, yours, right, around this story. Um,
1: Believe to be true.
0: So, if there's anyone listening and they feel like they resonate with your message and they're having struggles around money or they know they have stories and they can't see them. What do you suggest that they can do if they need to look at their money picture?
1: You know, um, of course I'm always available to do one-offs, help them get kind of a vision of what their money is supposed to do. Um, But it really is to get intentional with who you are, what you want your money to create. And then aligning it with ways that allow you to not just survive, but live. There are tons of practical books out there, right? And there's tons of practical programs. There's you know, um, what is it? You need a budget um, works. Mint works. Um, even though mint is not that easy, if you make a mistake in the inputting of the data, you might can, <laughs> it might take you a while to fix that. and that's the same with um, oh, Karen McCall's program as well. But there's a couple of them that are a little bit easier. There's tracking. The first intentional thing is you got to find out where your money is being spent. And if you can ask yourself when you're spending that money, is this a purchase that brings me joy or deprivation after I purchase it?
0: That's big, I think.
1: And people That's don't always how to feel the emotion. So that's another place to start.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like too, once you start peeling back the layers, you might find some, well, basically layers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I know that this is a very rich topic that we dove into. And there were a lot of themes that sort of tied together and, I'm so glad that you made time to share this. Um, If anyone listening wants to find out more about you and they want to discover where you're hanging out, where where can they find you?
1: (laughs) They can find me always on LinkedIn, Liz Kitchell, and that's K-I-T-C-H-E-L-L. They can find me also, Liz Kitchell Coaching, on Facebook and on my website. And I hang out a lot at The Hive. Cincinnati, um, and doing a lot of classes where we incubate um, different forms of economics where collaboration and co-creation can occur as well as a safe place to process these emotions behind the money
0: well that's awesome i I didn't even know about that I'm so glad I do now well, I don't want to leave anyone hanging if there's a special amazing thing that you want to share and I don't want to leave you without any nuggets of wisdom that you feel need to be a part of this episode so please now just share anything that you think the audience needs as a part of all of this if I didn't ask it
1: yeah I think the one thing that needs to be shared as I was saying earlier just because you want more grains in your diet doesn't mean you have to give up chocolate So having an account that truly creates joy and rejuvenation and connection in your life, and some people use envelopes to stash money aside. I have one client who puts all of her fives in an envelope, and that's her joy money. So anytime she gets a five, she puts it in a joy envelope, and that's how she pays for her vacations, her retreats, whatever she does. But everybody needs to have money they can spend kind of frivolously on the things that bring them joy. Not unconsciously where you spend more than you budget for. But you want to go to, let's say, Kava Kava for a yoga retreat. You would then dip into this account to pay for that retreat. Or you want to go to experience X, Y, Z one weekend. It doesn't really matter what it is, but it's something that's going to leave you filled and filled with love and joy and rejuvenation. That's what they account for. Nobody should ever feel completely deprived and only eat rice and beans all the time to make sure you get out of debt. You can save and get out of debt at the same time. It's just different for everybody what that looks like. Because everybody needs a little joy every day in their life.
0: I love that. And I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for that. And thank you for for being a part of this episode. And I always enjoy hearing your perspective on money. I've taken your workshop and I loved it. So thank thank you. you so much.
1: Well, thank you for um, reaching out. I really enjoyed our time together, Michelle.
0: Me too. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on the episode today. I'm so glad you were here to give a listen. If you liked it, this is a new podcast right now, so I would really appreciate it if you would give us a review on whatever platform you're listening on just to let other people know that this is a place where you can learn how to manifest the life and business of your dreams. Also, if you want to find out more, follow us on Instagram. It's Michelle and Anderson with an S E N at the end on Instagram and Michelle Anderson dot com is the website.